I think of your kind of your day needs to be like kindling a fire. You start off with embers and you have to put things on that fire that are going to help you create heat and life and, and good things. One of the things I love about the Wonderful Leaders podcast is just the opportunity I get to spend time with leaders that have got incredibly diverse gifts and skill sets and passions and aren't just cut from the cookie-cutter model of leadership. Over the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to spend time with leaders from all spheres of society with an incredible array of passions and gifts that God's given them that they've just got on that journey and let those gifts be used. Today's guest is Al Gordon, who is the vicar of St. Church in East London. And one of the things I love about Al, not just from this episode, but watching what he's done um, at St., watching what he's doing through the Renaissance movement, is just seeing that gift and passion of creativity come to life. As someone who's been in creative leadership myself for a number of years, through the agency, through my own leadership positions, Watching Al and journeying with Al and speaking with Al on this podcast has been an absolute treat. Just seeing someone who understands that God is a creator God and understands that within each and every one of us is that ability to let that creativity flow. And someone who gets inspiration not only from the standard leadership material or leadership forums, but from just that wider creative space. So if you're a leader, I want to encourage you to lean into this episode, not just because you think you're creative or have sort of certain natural talents, but I really hope you'll leave this episode with a fresh understanding that all of us are creative and our leadership by definition is creative and that actually God's got some exciting things planned for us. So please do enjoy this episode, share it, leave us a review and subscribe. So enjoy this next episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. Uh, it's a huge pleasure today to have Al Gordon with us. And uh, I'm going to let Al introduce himself a little bit later. But also, you'll see his incredible bio and his incredible kind of just the amazing work that he's doing. But before I kind of get into it, I want to know, Al, welcome, Al. How are you doing? Oh, it's lovely to see. I'm, I'm intrigued by your school photos behind you. I know, I know. I'm in my home are office they, today. Are they your Are they your class photos or your kids? No, they're my kids. Although okay. one of my kids goes to a school with my class photos on it, but I used to have the, the, no. the mid nineties haircut with the curtains. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, full curtains, undercut. I think terrible. you should bring that back, man. You could, you could still do it. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure there's like there's a there's a way we can we can do it. It's got to be a way, right? It's got to be a way to bring bring back the mid nineties. Um... They can grow a limb, Dan. We can bring back the monkeys for you. <laughs> There's the soundbite right there. Yeah, like frame it. I have a I have a framed certificate for my primary school that the only two ever sports awards I've ever won, which were third place in the throwing the tennis ball competition at school sports day when I was six and a kind of similar one that, that is to do with running with a tennis ball and that was it that's the only things I have 
So I'm, I'm intrigued that you've got them up there. I mean, you, you know, my school career peaked sporting wise early in the photos. <laughs> Well, what's this thing with tennis balls, though? You're obviously quite good with tennis balls. There we go. No, 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 no. no. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. It must have been all we had was balls. And yes. <laughs> so, Al, let's, tell, move let's move on. Let's quickly move on. Tell us, what does a day in the life of Al Gordon look like? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm based in Hackney in East London. I'm married. I have uh, three kids, a dog. So my day is basically spent between running a church working with a thing called Renaissance, trying to walk the dog and um, trying to look after the kids. So it's a, it's a crazy life and we love it. We have a great, great community here. Hackney's a very fun, diverse place. East London's incredibly kind of rich and, and wild and crazy and creative and also has huge challenges. So I walk down the street and I'll see friends I know who live on the street. I'll see people that have jobs, a real mix of people. So my, my days are pretty boring. Um, I, I, I wake up, try and inspire myself, read a bit of the Bible, listen to something that's going to encourage me. I, I guess the heart is like a fire, isn't it? It needs sort of, um, this is very cheesy. It's very cheesy, but you're, I, I think of your kind of, your day needs to be like kindling a fire. You start off with embers and you have to put things on that fire that are going to help you create heat and life and, and good things. And so I think our, our responsibility is to tend that fire each day, whatever that looks like for you. For me, it often looks like inspiration. So this morning, uh, I was sitting at breakfast with the kids and we watched a clip of a wonderful actor um, who's just been nominated for um, an Oscar for his um, Best Supporting Actor, well, Irish actor. Um, but again, like little bits of beauty, little bits of moments of life, little bits that, of that kind of try and get something on your fire early in the day that will kindle it and keep you alight through the day. Wow, I love that. And and one of the things, already cheesy answer. No, no, that's amazing. But do you know what I love about that is the fact that you can see that so evident in everything you do, which we're going to come on to later. So, you know, and, and you know, I don't want to extrapolate the whole podcast episode now, but kind of you can see what you've just said there, how that ember creates a fire, not just in your life, but in other people's lives around you. And, you know, as we get into some of the Renaissance piece and yeah, absolutely love it. And I think that's um that's really encouraging because I think, you know, sometimes there's a lot of pressure as well as leaders to kind of, you know, get up at 4 a.m., do the right thing, you know, the workout, you know, you've got, you got to have the 4 a.m. hustle and the 5 a.m. hustle. And actually, you know, but it's actually letting God breathe his life in us is what matters, right? It's letting the Holy yeah. Spirit do a work in us each day and however that looks because we're all different. We're all different creative beings. So, yeah, love what you said there. Moving on then, and this is a big question, because not big, but it's a long question. So feel free to give me the highlight or low light reel, whichever one you want. But obviously you mentioned you're currently the leader of a church called Saint in East London and the Renaissance movement. But tell us a little bit about your leadership journey. Wow. I'd never thought I would lead anything. Uh, I wasn't particularly successful at school. I was dyslexic and um found it hard to kind of, you, you know, sort of kind of achieve all the gongs that you would normally achieve in life. And I think probably lacked a little bit of confidence. At the same time, I think I learned growing up that it's okay to sort of think differently. And I think dyslexic people often I talk to have that. Once you realise that your brain works slightly differently, it's a gift, not a kind of hurdle. So, you know, I studied at university and then worked in the film industry for about, through most of my 20s, really. Uh, worked as a um, runner originally, started out as a runner and then worked for a um, film production company and then in a talent agency, which was super fun. I learned a huge amount. 
looking after people who were, you know, rising stars or people actually at the top of their game. You know, we, we looked after some very kind of well-known people and getting into kind of how you manage creatively time and money and kind of um, passion and vision and how you sift the wheat from the chaff a little bit uh, because you know it, it, a lot of life is full of people who talk a lot but actually you've got to try and get to the 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 essence of what's really going on behind the chat and um you can learn to pitch but um a little bit like integrity it's what's inside that counts if you're a mighty boosh fan my favorite scene the mighty boosh is when bolo appears from the cupboard uh, and says it's what's inside that, that counts now, i've lost most of your audience at that point because it's probably dated me probably um it is what it's what's inside that counts it motivates you and drives you so my leadership journey if, if that's the, the the way to approach it started off um in film and i was in film for for a while and learned a huge amount about people about hustle about hard work about resilience and about failure you know because film's a tough business it's it's a it's um you know it's a really hard thing to make work in the uk and and um, some people are very successful at it but most people are not and it's it's tough that eventually i worked for um i was kind of leading worship a little bit on the side and my side hustle when working for was to lead worship at a church called HTV. and eventually i was like well this is the thing i really love doing and so left film to go and do that full time and was involved, had the privilege of, of serving that church um, as a worship pastor and helped with a thing called Worship Central, which was a, a school of worship for training worship leaders. And that taught me, again, a whole lot of separate skills around, you know, you may not feel very confident, but when you've actually got a vision and you've got a sense of purpose and you're prepared to work in, and sort of be diligent in what you're given to do, even in small things, actually, you know, God is able to do much more with your bits your loaves and fishes than you are with your kind of polished LinkedIn profile and your pitch. So I think the relationship with Jesus thing, I wasn't raised a Christian, I became a Christian when I was 18 years old, has been really catalytic in my just sort of journey towards having Amazing. confidence to lead and, and all that. So yeah, I, I wouldn't pretend to be a very good leader, I'm afraid. People I know, they're leadership experts, people who are coaches and all that kind of stuff. I'm not that guy. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm a student of, of this stuff. Um, so more mistakes and successes, more bruises than kind of breakthroughs, but it's been a fun time. Amazing. And, you know, the humility and self-awareness to say, I'm not that guy and I can't lead that way is actually one of the key things to leadership, right? Is knowing what our limitations and boundaries are, knowing what our skills and yeah. giftings are, and then being able to kind of bring in the rest that builds the team. And one of the things I know about you is you've built an incredible team around you as well, an incredible team at Saint and Renaissance. And some of the things that you're doing that are genuinely sort of formational in church thinking and creative thinking shows incredible leadership. But thank you for sharing you know, very honestly about that. Now, I'm going to kind of then segue that into a statement or a vision statement to build cathedrals of creativity in every neighborhood. Tell us about that. Oh, well, I, I think you're kind of touching on the Renaissance vision. And I think where to begin, really, I mean, as Christians, we believe God is a creator. And that is sort of the, the genesis, literally, of our knowledge about God as he creates. And all the way through the Bible, we see God in the process of creating, recreating, rescuing, redeeming. Um, all the way through to, to the end of the story, as you'll know, in the, some of the last words of Jesus recorded in the Bible and Revelation are, behold, I make all things new. I'm making something that was broken, new, I'm repairing, I'm remaking. So God is in the renovation, in the Renaissance business. And I think for a long time, the church has a sort of um, revolving door relationship with creativity. 
I think there's been times when we've been brilliant at creativity, where we've been the homeland of music and the, the sort of um, the crucible of great art and um, science and literature. And, you know, you look at some of the giants through philosophy and science, the great Kepler's, Descartes, Newton's, the great composers, Handel's, the great writers from T.S. Eliot, uh, all the way back, really, you know, extraordinary people whose faith played a really key part in their ability right. to understand the universe and actually the church when it gets it right can be an extraordinary place to connect people with their creator and encourage people that you can make a difference through your creativity now, there's, a, there's a sort of uh, a great heresy out there that only creative people usually sort of self-identifying as creative people are creative well that's just not true Absolutely. you know you are every single person listening to this podcast is creative um, your DNA, your very story, your conception was an extraordinarily creative achievement and feat of science and God. And, you know, God has created you creative and you're made in the image of a creator. And actually all of us use creativity the whole time when we go on our, you know, for our school career and we have to give an excuse why our homework is late or when we ask last minute to, to work on a pitch at work. You know, we have to use creativity. Parenting involves huge amounts of creativity. So I think we realize that the world is desperately, in, you know, desperately searching for, for ways to, to grow in its creativity and to function as creative people. And then the church comes along and actually the church sometimes gets it right. Quite often hasn't been speaking the, the, the same language as some of the, the creative industries or people who are trying to think about creativity. And so you have moments in history when like the Renaissance, like the Sistine Chapel happens or patrons like the church come along and say, hey, to an artist, could you could you sculpt something out of this lump of marble? And, you know, you get incredible works of art and uh, Michelangelo's David, you know, all these things that come through some of those famous works of art are commissioned by the church for the church as part of the church's rhythm of, of creativity. So I think the church is meant to be the most creative place on the planet. The reality is quite often we don't have the time, we don't have the vision, we don't have the skills, we don't know where to begin. And we've begun to realize, I think, that it's mission critical now for the church to recover in this day and age a sense of our divine calling to creativity in the biggest possible sense, that every Christian should be creative. Every church should be a community that fosters creativity. So that's how Renaissance kind of began. And in a nutshell, it's a school of creativity. Uh, the vision is three things. Number one, to help encounter the creator, that we'd help connect people with their creator. And that um, involves big ideas, involves worship, involves times of ministry and prayer, actually the, to help people connect again with their creator, first thing. Second thing we're trying to do is help equip the creative practically. So we're trying to bring in thinkers, ideas, people who can help sharpen and stretch. Sometimes people who aren't even a part of a church community who can come and say, well, this is this is how you do design. This is how you do um, whatever it might be. And then th the third thing we're trying to do is see every church empowered to be a cathedral of creativity in their community. You know, what this might look like is if you're listening to this and you're in a church in a community, what would it look like for your church to become the startup incubator for your neighborhood? The place where, you know, people go for social transformation, social agency, social capital, also to go and recover that sense of beauty, whether it's music or the visual arts or the welcome they receive at the door and the coffee you serve at the back. You know, everything we do as the church should reflect and mirror um, the DNA of our creator. And so from that point of view, the church is the hope of the world. It's God's creative agency on the earth. And everything we can do as Christians to encourage 
the church around the world to develop this vision for creativity is going to be really, really important in the generation that's to come. I'm sitting here like nodding my head like one of those nodding dogs. Absolutely loving it. And I think, you know, from just to reflect back from my perspective, obviously I run an a, a creative agency called Wonderful as, as our kind of main creative engine. And one of the one of the key elements to the vision that you, you know, you shared really um succinctly at the Renaissance in November 22 was that sense of creating that those places of wonder and those places where mm. where um, that creativity could be expressed through the church in the church and through the church actually to the community as well so you know when you were talking there you know for us that that relights a fire around what the whole wonderful group is about which is about an agency that creates wonder in, in, in clients. It creates a sense of transformation and change in our clients' business. You know, we have a co-working space called the Wonder Hub, which is a place of wonder. You know, we, and we have um, Wonderful Leaders, one of Wonderful Leaders podcasts, which is about helping to encourage and empower leaders to be more than just what they think they can be and to be that sense of wonder and that biblical sense of wonder, which is that sense of awe and amazement. I love it, you know, and, and, and our, our kinds of... Genesis moment there was in Isaiah 9, which speaks about that we have that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And actually, the first word Isaiah uses to describe Jesus is wonderful. And it's that sense of amazement or, you know, just majesty. And I just think that's so powerful what you're sharing. And kind of segue, because, you know, I'd love to talk about uh, unpack that. But in a sense of one of the things I love that we do at the moment is partnering with you guys on the wonderful summit, which is really aligned with that Renaissance vision aligned with that creative vision. And God's given us a real desire to sort of work into that entrepreneur and innovator space and investor space where you've got business people trying to work out, how do I do this? How do I grow? How do I do this the right way? Is there a community out there for me? Because it can be a lonely place. Being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely space, whether you're in church or not in church. Um, Connecting entrepreneurs and investors, that's also quite an interesting space. You know, you're a Christian investor or an impact investor. How do you connect with entrepreneurs? What are the common threads? What's the the impact we're trying to see? So the wonderful summit's coming up in May. And, you know, we've had discussions over the last few months, but we very much see, well, I very much see it as a real aligned vision to really help empower the church to kind of we can do this there is a picture out there. there's a sense of wonder out there that god wants to release and he can do it like can we just dare to believe him can we journey together and dare to believe him so i don't know how do you see that i'm on a little bit of a rant at the moment but how do you see that Al? yeah no it's great you know it's going to take a lot to change the culture isn't it around right. this and i think particularly if you've been a creative in a, in a local church or you're an entrepreneur an innovator um, it is a lonely place to be. The death rate among startups, we all know, and you know, the, the rate of return on entrepreneurial investment is low. Um, the risks are high. The hours are long. The kick, the kick in the face, you know, is constant. And so, I think the more we can do together to encourage spaces where people know that they're not on their own and they can be encouraged and filled and that's everything we're trying to do so we're really excited to be hosting you guys and we we think of what you're doing is is brilliant dan you've spoken at renaissance i think we have you know very similar visions and it's 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 really exciting to see what you're up to and so um we're excited for may we're excited to have you guys come and hang out at saint and i think more than that you know it's going to take collaboration to really see impact the big problems of the next generation are not going to be solved by tall radio masks of brilliant, you know, tall towers of 
you know, the 5G tower of brilliance. And if you look along, along the landscape now, 5G is probably the last great infrastructure piece. So I'm going on a segue tangent here, but bear with me. The last great piece of infrastructure where there is a big tower with a big beacon that broadcasts to a big area. You know, we've just put in on our house a, a mesh Wi-Fi where you have multiple little points that create 10 times the speed of 5G that was already faster than my broadband before. And it struck me that the next generation leaders are going to need to work in a much more collaborative way. They're going to need to work more like meshed Wi-Fi, where you have multiple points around a house in a neighborhood that can pump really fast connection to people um, rather than one big beacon that gives you 5G. And that is going to be true of how we work together across disciplines, across you know, dare I say it, across businesses, you know, we're going to have to put aside some elements of competition in the entrepreneurial space in order to foster collaboration. Because when you collaborate, the yields for everyone are much greater. So that's a business principle. But in terms of our um, partnership, you know, we we see that, you know, we're modeling that today. We love what you guys are doing and want to encourage you and want to support you and are cheering you on. And we think, you know, iron sharpens iron. We get all, we all get richer and stronger when we work together and we collaborate. So, um, yeah, definitely excited to be, you know, you know, learning from you guys. I think your vision is amazing, Dan, and what you and the team are doing is is breathtaking. So keep going. Oh, bless you, mate. Appreciate that. And in that spirit of collaboration, as you say, you guys have created an incredible sense of purpose and community around the Saint community. And I know we, we kind of segued from your early life straight into Renaissance. Would you, for the listeners and, and viewers that, you know, don't know what happened at Saint, tell us a little bit of the Saint story and the Saint journey, because that's a real... Yeah, you know, if I'm going to use business terms, proof of concept. It's not proof of concept. It's a it's a beautiful thing that God's really created and creating in East London. So just give give the listeners and viewers a few minutes on that because I think that really brings it to focus. Yeah. Okay. I'll try and I'll try and give you. Um, it's a bit like people start asking you to talk about your kids. You know, you, it's like you start you start talking, and you don't stop. So you have to cut me off. <laughs> I'll try and be really concise. We we started Saint really back in 2016 in its earlier form as a, a partnership. I was at HCB. The, my boss, the Bishop uh, of London, said, go to Hackney, work with a local church, a beautiful community who are there, um, historic kind of traditional Anglo-Catholic community in this lovely building that was pretty close to falling down. So the building was needing restoring and we had a little community we took a you know handful of people to plant with us and to start something new and you know i think it was to be honest it's really hard it was anything new like you know church planting is a bit like startup stuff you know you sort of you go and you kickstart something but then it's just it's long hours it's hard work along the way there were some really amazing moments where we I think formational moments of a funeral i did for a teenager who'd been killed in a in a gang killing really kind of marked me it was in my first few months and it actually really kind wow. of broke inside of me because I, I realized that we were gonna have to do things very differently if we were going to reach people in this community we live in a community um in east london which is one of the poorest communities in, in the uk it has more startups than anywhere else in europe per square mile anywhere else actually in the world outside of silicon valley and you know um it, it's an extraordinary creative part of the world but a huge you know half the kids under the poverty line you know really really right. challenging environment and the church was on its knees really the building was built to hold two thousand people and was you know leaking on the inside and not fit for purpose so we went on this journey that with six and a bit years nearly seven years this autumn into to sort of start with a vision which was to bring hope to the people of east london 
And we live in an area where 99% of people don't go to church. So what that's looked like is the hard work of running a church for people who don't go to church. And that's been messy and hard work. And to give you a snapshot, you know, we started in 2016, there were probably 100, 150 people here when we kickstarted. Fast forward to today, we've seen the building restored and the building was an amazing work. It's taken time and money and energy and we're still trying to raise the money and, you know, we're still keeping going. But the building has become a, a sort of the vision for it was to create this cathedral of creativity. So we've hosted some amazing live events, Coldplay, Ed Sheeran, Emily Sunday, you know, amazing gigs that are real privilege to host. And we host and run them as a church. We don't give that away to Live Nation or the O2. We do that ourselves because we want people to experience what it's like to come to church and be part of church. We, along the way, started a brewery. And this is a fun story. We worked with an investor who, I guess, was a venture philanthropist, wanted to put his money to work to create social good. And so we partnered with them to create a brewery that takes profit out and puts it into homeless work. And that's enabled us to start a thing called Lighthouse that's fed nearly 450,000 meals now since launching. We've started an apiary. We keep bees as a spiritual discipline. Einstein said, if the bees go extinct, the the human race goes extinct within three years. And I love that picture that actually the church is meant to be like the bees. We're meant to go out and bring the flourishing of the community, the kind of pollination of the whole culture, not just the people who live in the hive. And, and then along the way, some crazy creative partnerships. Like we started working with an artist called Ez Devlin, who is a wonderful visual artist, has done a lot of well-known shows around the world, U2 for the last 20 years, Beyonce, Kanye, you know, anything you've seen that's like the Super Bowl halftime show that, that's like, wow, is probably Ez Devlin. And we work with her on a chapel that's live now. And it's a beautiful installation where you can go that's called Shared Sky. It has a digital floor and a digital ceiling right in there today where praying for Ukraine. So we have the floor is the sky over Hackney and the ceiling is the sky over Kiev and wow. Ukraine. Uh, we also work with an architect called John Porson, architectural designer, who's an absolute hero. He was a sort of well-known, um, he, if you're an architect, you'll know John Porson. He's the guy who designed the design museum. He you know, is, is one of the leading designers in the world and um, had never done a church before in the UK. So we reached out to him and said that we really believe that the local church is meant to be a place of creativity and life and hope. And we're on this mission to bring hope. And you know, would you come and partner with us? And he's rebuilt the building. It's the most amazing space. I'd love to encourage any of your listeners want to come visit, hit me up. I'll show you around. But I guess fast forward to where we are today, you know, we've had a big building project. We were closed for two years. We had a pandemic again, another sort of two years of weirdness and I think we use that time to be creative we we sort of said well look we're gonna not sort of just go into survival mode but we're gonna go you know rather than survive we want to try and thrive and so what are the things that we can do that are distinctive and different in these moments so we figured that you know all you needed in those moments was a television and a hand sanitizer and a face mask and you could run a church so we started went we went kind of to anywhere any building which was closing in, in east london and a lot of buildings were shut the bishop sort of helped us and said look just go take a take take that church get going we've now find ourselves on the other side of, of the pandemic you know we by the time we went into the pandemic we were meeting on one location we probably had four or five hundred people meeting on a sunday by that point and we went into lockdown and we were like we don't know who's going to come back but we as we emerged from the, the rubble of of covid we found that something quite extraordinary had begun to happen we'd planted to five locations wow. and we'd sent kind of young guys off with a television set a pa a live link you know so we leveraged tech hand sanitizer and you know just sort of a data platform to basically check people in check people out and we planted sort of in lockdown and which is absolutely not what you're meant to do you know one should take you know nobody was opening real estate venues in any industry so it was completely mad but it's meant that when we came out of the pandemic we had 
people and places ready to welcome people back. And we've seen, you know, the last few Sundays have been over a thousand people in person at church wow. across five regions. So we're seeing God do some really cool things. You know, it's not been easy. It, it's one of those things where the vision to bring hope to a place, you know, we talk about the values of hope as honor, openness, proximity and empowerment. And the proximity piece means being committed to a place for decades. So with all these things, I um I almost hesitate sharing what's happened over the last six, seven years because we're sort of like, come and see us in 20 years. We'll try and see what the fruit is then. You know, lives are a fruit that grow very slowly. Change is not something that happens in the human life overnight. It has to take time for gestation of new things to happen. You know, that's why we take nine months to gestate a baby. It doesn't happen overnight. And so in the same way, raising children doesn't stop when they get born. You know, you, you anything new in your life, we want to take the long view. And if I just come from a conversation with our Renaissance team and we're talking about, you know, do we go for fast growth or slow growth? And, you know, everybody, you know, all the logic in business would be like, oh, you know, charity sector would be like, go as fast as you can, as quick as you can, do as many places you can. And we're actually saying, well, no, I think it feels like, the wrong strategy it's probably better to go for slow growth and good growth and work healthily with with the right leaders for the long term so that i don't know if that's encouraging i don't know if that's what you hoped i would talk about but amazing <laughs> no absolutely amazing i'm going to challenge you on something you said earlier on yeah go on. Live, live on the podcast you said that i'm not a great leader what you've just expounded there is unbelievable leadership wisdom you are obviously prone to exaggeration so, <laughs> no, um, no, but seriously, yeah. I, I think, you know, like I've, I've been around church leadership circles a long time as well. And we we know, let's be honest, right? Let's talk. We know how to do things. We know the, the manual on how to run a service, grow a ministry, develop something, plant a church. There's a manual. There's a way of doing things. But what you've just expounded there is that journey with God, which is relatively throwing a manual out the window, but walking in, you know, with a clear mission, a clear set of values a great team and actually doing things differently, doing things in a way that you believe God has put on your heart. That's good leadership. Well, can I counter your challenge? Thank you for your <laughs> challenge. You mentioned about team and I'm not trying to be falsely modest because um, that's the worst form of pride. But genuinely, I think I've, it was really helpful working in film because in film, it's pretty brutal. You know, you are right pushing yeah, an actor audition and you know they may be really talented they could have won an award or and they come back from their audition and it's like you know for every 10 auditions you go to casting agents where you come out just like no they don't want you and it could be something so trivial about the shape of your hair and you have to get pretty used to dealing with what you're not going to be able to do and I think this is certainly true in, in leadership I did philosophy at university I did that. right I, I can't remember a huge amount of what I learned but one thing struck me in an early lecture, and it was this great quote, the wisest is he who knows what he does not know. And I think in terms of how I'm trying to lead, there are lots of things that I can't do. There's a couple of things I can do. And they're my sort of sweet spot on the pitch. And I've, it's taken me, you know, I'm 45. It's taken me 45 years to work what those things are. My responsibility as a leader, in inverted commas, is to serve the people I'm trying to help by working out where I'm not very good at stuff and work out who's better at that. So I'll give you some examples. Like I'm good on like ideas and dreaming stuff and imagining stuff. I think it's my wife teases me. It's because I was an only child. My parents were divorced. I spent a lot of time sort of doodling and sitting right. on my own in a kind of slightly strange apartment or 
traveling to see family in France or whatever. You know, I had a very happy childhood, but lots of my time I was sort of sitting on my own and I would be left with my ideas. And this is the days before, you know, Nintendo switches and right. YouTube. Pen and pen and pencil so, and paper. Well, not even that. I think just in your head, being happy, happy with ideas was where I felt really alive. So imagination. The things I'm not really good at, and they're a long, long list. If you haven't got time for them, your listeners will be will be um, will be overwhelmed. But actually executing it, I have to work with a I work with a brilliant team who actually say, okay, Al, we see what you're trying to think through. You know, we see what's on the scribbles on your whiteboard. Let me go away and make that happen. So we are, as we grow, we I've realized the value of having grown-ups around you who can actually take the things you're not good at and say, well, you know, let me help you with that. And that's really the, the point. If you're running a startup or you're trying to, you know, run an agency, you've got to work out what you can't do and right. get great people. So I'm always looking for great people. I'm, I'm trying to find someone to help with our operations at the moment. We need a brilliant ninja who can help us grow what we're doing. We've, we're growing like crazy. So anybody listening wants to come and work, a grown-up, come and contact me. My email is al at saint.church. You leave your job, come and work with me, help run this thing. But, uh, you know, seriously, I, I'm constantly looking out for good people who are better at things than me. And it's not very hard. <laughs> no, amazing. I, no, and I appreciate the uh, the honesty there. I really do. So just kind of drilling down, what we're now talking about Al Gordon. So we've, we've, you've gone there, so let's keep going there. So oh, wow. T- <laughs> so tell me, you know, in this incredible creative vision and passion and that creative output, right? You need that creative input and that creative kind of sense of, you know, as you said, it right at the beginning, there's the embers being filled each day. But so who or what inspires you? How do you find mm. that creative input? Or just the inspiration? I'll answer that in two ways. I think the first thing is making sure I've got enough space in my life so I'm not overwhelmed with stimulation data. Right and task and for me that's a constant battle because anything you run that gets bigger demands more of your time so i'm i'm constantly abdicating myself and letting people down because i'm going to say i can't i can't you know we built this thing i can't run it you know we built this new location you go run it so i think i try and constantly get out of things because i know that if i'm working seven days a week 18 hour days i'm not gonna have a moment to breathe and it's in the breathing that I fill my lungs with life and hope. So what that looks like for me is quite often taking breaks, you know, trying to clear my diary. So I'm not, you know, I'm not doing a thousand things the whole time. And, you know, just having gaps where I'm not running from thing to thing the whole time. Days where there's nothing in and even though I'm really busy and protecting and fighting it. Because I find in my life, the ideas come, I think imagination and boredom are close friends. And you can't really get to your imagination unless your brain starts to get bored and then it starts to behave in a different way. And so being aware that your boredom is a a sort of spiritual gift you need to nurture. Um, It's not a sort of a, a tiger you need to feed, if that makes sense. So that's the first thing, be bored. Second thing, I think find things that fascinate you and cultivate an appetite for things that are interesting. And I'll give you one example. So one thing we're working on at the moment is we partnered with for a long time with a restaurant called Morrow, who are a really well-known restaurant. They do beautiful food. They're based in East London. And Sam and Sam Clark, who, who run Morrow, have become friends. They helped us kickstart Lighthouse. And before the pandemic, we're feeding people each week from their from essentially the back door of their restaurant. They'd cook amazing food for the front door of the restaurant. They'd put in a taxi a load of food and they'd send it and we'd feed wow. it to the homeless. And they would come off themselves and, and feed the homeless. And 
they're amazing. I mean, that's 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 incredible. And and so as I've got to know them and watch them, I'm always fascinated by people who are good. You know, they're good at what they do. They're good on the inside. And often you'll find people, and I've worked with some amazing people who are brilliant in their field. They're usually pretty good. They're usually, you know, they, they're not all massive egos and and idiots. Um, some of them are, like I am, you know, we're, we all have our yeah, weaknesses. Know. But quite often when people are successful or good at what they do or they create things that are really lasting and impactful, usually behind the scenes there's a sort of kernel of hope and life and goodness and right. something going on. So, with these guys, I'm fascinated by them. I think, well, wow, I bet you run a really good restaurant. So we went and had, my wife and I went and had dinner with them in their restaurant. We were fascinated to watch the team, you know, um, we sat at the sort of chef's table, we sat with them and had dinner and they talked about the lamb and they talked about the chicken and where they got the olive oil from. I thought, wow, you, the level of care that goes into running a restaurant successfully. And I watched the, the sort of maitre d' on the door of the restaurant. Um, and I watched the the person taking the order and how they work with the chef de partie on on the kind of counter where they prepare. I don't know if that's the right name, but it sounds good. And I'm half French, so I'll slip the French name. <laughs> yeah. de partie would take the order and, and kind of pass it onto the, the kitchen. And it was beautifully organized. I was saying to them, like, how does it work? And they said, well, it takes about three years to get this team right. Wow. You know, we go through staff, we we lose people, people come, they join us. It's not the right role. We move them on. They come, they hate it. They move on. There's war, there's fights, the chef. And it takes about three years to get a restaurant to a place where the team is gelling together. I thought that was fascinating. And so we've been thinking about that a bit with our teams and how we plant locations, how we lead. And it'll be a, a transferable application to people who are running businesses or leading in, in social change or purpose. Um, so what we're doing at the moment is we're about to take all our pastors uh, who run saint locations or services, and there's about um, 15 of them, and we're going to take them off and we're going to spend an afternoon with Sam and Sam Clark training them as if they were running a restaurant. Because I think the probably very good training in customer service, the way you're greeted at the door and made to feel welcome in the first 10 seconds, the way you're fed, you're listened to, you're noticed, your needs are met. Uh, you're cared for the experience you have in that hour and a half and the money you hand over for that experience tells you something about the value that they have placed on that individual that I think churches could learn from. So I know for me as a pastor, wow. almost would rather train my leaders in how to look after people from a customer service point of view through the restaurant lens than sometimes the church's lens. You know, so that's that's one example of, of where I'd be inspired by something that's outside of my comfort zone. And so I'm looking all the time for things that inspire me. Um, we just shot a film with John Porson, who's the the architect, and um, that'll be kind of um, an amazing resource. We just went down to his um, barn. Again, if you want some inspiration, Google John Porson's barn. I mean, it's just the most beautiful. I mean, it's, it's a, an instant modern classic of architecture and everybody's writing about it and filming it. And we had the honor of going down and, and filming it. And so my wife and I and sat and, and chat, chatted with John and talked about, you know, design and, and beauty and actually church and design. So how we could, we could learn from him. So I think be fascinated, make space, be bored, uh, find things that be a magpie, find things that catch your curiosity. It can be something as small as a piece of design, a piece of music, and then start to interrogate it and drill into it. And you're going to find in that journey, you're going to learn far more than you would have done if you'd sat at home staring at the screen. Amazing. Absolute genius. Like, I can just, do the pastors know they're going to this restaurant? For, do they know? Like, Not yet. 
Right. Not yet. Okay, that is incredible. That is so it's cool. exclusive on the Wonderful Leaders podcast, guys, if you're listening. But yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, we're brilliant. Gonna, we're excited about that. We're going to film them and just film film the kind of experience. Absolutely brilliant. Love that. So final question now, just in terms of, uh, I'll stop drilling into your life now because you're probably like, what are you doing? Stop talking at me. No, um, no. It, it's just I'm more worried for your listeners. Now, listen, I've, as you've been talking, right, I've been thinking there's three or four book titles for you right there. You, there's some sound <laughs> I'm like, there's the, there's the book title. There's that one. And there's that one. That, honestly, brilliant. I will too. Um, right. The final question on, on Al, what bit of advice would you give your younger self? One piece of advice. Keep the fire alight. You're going to meet lots of people. You're going to meet lots of people who will try and put your fire out and tell you can't do it. And where you will find the most joy in the years to come is when you just think, stuff it. You, you just chuck a whole load of kindling on the fire and some things catch fire and they don't. Doesn't matter. Just keep focusing on keeping the fire light. And I think that's the, that's the Holy Spirit in, in your life. You know? So for me, I think um, looking back where I've sort of wandered off and worried about what others think or tried to be too performative or operate out of insecurity, which all, all leaders do, um, not, you know, not being sort of not tending to my own fire and keeping that fire that comes from God alive. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this and, you know, you're exploring faith, you know, the most powerful thing you can do, it's not your fire. It's a fire that's in you from the Holy Spirit. The most powerful thing you can do is to keep that fire alive. And yeah, that would be my one encouragement. So yeah, that's my encouragement to me. But if that's helpful for anyone else, I hope it is. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, mate. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I feel very honoured. Do I get a t-shirt or a badge or anything? Do you, no, but you get a mug. Would you prefer a t-shirt or a badge or is a mug okay? A mug would be amazing. I've got okay. my water bottle, so a mug would be a lovely thing. <laughs> okay, wonderful leader's mug is on its way to you. Al Gordon, thank you so much. Bless it you, my friend. quite a place in my, in my <laughs> Amongst all that cathedral creativity, the wonderful leader's mug might be... Pride of place. Bottom shelf, back left corner. No, 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 no. no. Absolutely it's love it. Own, it's own cabinet. <laughs> just final question, just for our listeners, just very quickly. Yeah. How can they get involved in some of the, because obviously you've been very kind and said visit same, but tell, you know, what can people get involved with? How can they jump on board? Well, I, th I think um, obviously they need to get to the wonderful leaders gathering in May. From Renaissance point of view, you can follow us on Instagram, renaissance.movement, I think is the Instagram. Um, saint.church on instagram as well but online as well renaissancemovement.org people can connect in on that and we have an event coming up in november um i think it's the 17th and 18th i should really know that i'm plugging an event but i don't know when it is but it's like in the middle of november in london two days of wonder the idea is to gather and um, we're going to have some amazing leaders from around the world join us for that but i guess anybody who's passionate about growing in their experience of their creator uh, helping be equipped practically as a creative and seeing their church become a beacon of hope a cathedral of creativity get yourself there bring a team it's gonna be so fun tickets are on sale now so they can check in and we're gonna have an amazing time so you'll be there i'll be there it's gonna be so much fun um your mug will be there not your face but your music <laughs> the mug has not got my mug on it you'll be pleased to know <laughs> uh, i sound like for those listening abroad when you say your mug it's usually like your like in east Lend east lenders we will say oh get, get your mug down there you know get your face down there so, um, we will have both Dan and one of his mugs at the conference. So there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Al Gordon, bless you. And thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Such a privilege. The honour is mine. So thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you for listening. And keep in touch. And God bless you. 
2023 is a big year for the Wonderful Leaders team. We've got so many exciting things coming up alongside the podcast. And one of the things that we're absolutely buzzing about right now is the Wonderful Summit. The Wonderful Summit is being hosted at St. Church in East London, in Hackney, East London, on May the 18th, 2023. And as a one-day summit, bringing together entrepreneurs, investors, innovators, and creative to get us all together in a room for a day to hear and share the stories and testimonies of what God is doing in the marketplace and to really be inspired and build community together. The other side of what we want to achieve in that day is actually getting some really great practical advice on how to grow our organizations, whether we're a startup, whether we're a founder, or we're looking to scale up our organization, or indeed looking for investment. There's going to be loads of practical workshops and seminars throughout the day, as well as hearing from some great contributors. So please do book your tickets now. Head over to wonderfulsummit.com and it's going to be a fantastic day on May the 18th in Hackney, London. 